today's episode of Real People, Real God, Misu and Lindsay continue their Through the Bible character series. They continue the story of Moses, discussing the early months of Israel's wilderness wandering and the ways in which God first revealed himself and related to them. Hi, this is Misu. And this is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone. We're glad you could join us today. Lindsay, tell us about your week. How's it going? Um, it's going pretty good. My parents and my grandma came to visit me over the weekend, oh, so fun. that was really exciting. They live a little ways away. I don't always get to see them, so yeah. it was fun to have them in my neck of the woods visiting me Aww. for a weekend. So yeah. I, I feel like I'm having a pretty good week. How about you? How's your week going over there? You know, I, I had a fantastic week. I turned in my first draft to my editor. Woo, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of feel alone. You know, oh. I'm kind of missing it. Yeah. I go oh. through a little bit of a grief thing when missing I... Missing all the characters, yeah, missing the time of writing. I do. I miss oh. them. Yeah. So I'm kind of... <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> I know. I Yeah. I kind of miss them. So I'll, I'll, I'll get over it though. Seriously. Yeah. I'm going to start... I'm going to unpack the rest of my boxes, get settled. Yeah. Good there thing. There you go. It's a good thing. Well... Yeah. How about we keep talking about Moses and then you'll get, you get somebody to talk about and you won't have to feel yeah. so alone. We can talk about my friend Moses, Moses for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my friend Moses. My friend Moses. Let's talk you know, that's about how I feel. On a side note, that's how I feel when I watch, I love the show The Gilmore Girls. And when I put it oh, in yeah. and listen to them, I feel like it's my friends, The Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they're my friends. Oh, that's just okay. a side note about my life. Um, Thank anyways, you. Let's talk about our friend Moses. Okay, let's talk about not our friend Girl. Moses this morning. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, so we still got lots of room, lots of ground to cover in yeah. the story of Moses' life. Yeah. And I think this week's going to be pretty good. Um, but it might be. Kind of a bummer and a shock to some of you out there. We're actually going to skip through, skip over the plagues and the yeah. let my people go, the parting of the Red Sea, that, that yeah. section of the story. But it's okay. Never fear. You can go watch the Prince of Egypt or the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments or you can read Miriam. You can, you can learn about all that <laughs> somewhere else. Um, yeah. We figure you probably know that story quite a bit. And we want to get on to some other parts of Moses' life and Moses' life with the people of Israel and focus on some other real people, real God moments during right. this this time. So, Misu, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with what are the real people, um, Moses and the Israelites, what are they doing after this whole deliverance scene? After, you know, the Hollywood story of deliverance and crossing the Red Sea, what are the real people doing? Yeah, well, some of the things that didn't make Hollywood... Um, was God's first law. I you mean, mean like the Ten Commandments first law? No, no. Actually, there was a law given, God's first law given to the Israelites while they were roaming around in the wilderness before they ever got to Mount Sinai. And hmm. um, it, it happens in Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27. So let's look at what, what's happening there. They're wandering in the wilderness of Shur, which is kind of, funny to me. They're, they're not at all sure, but they're wandering in the wilderness of sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for three days, they have no water and they come to this oasis called Marah. Now they don't name it Marah until after they come to it, because guess what? The, the water is not fit to drink. So they've gone three days with no water. They come to this oasis, they see the water, mm. but they tried it, try it. And it's bitter. It's not, not fit to drink. So then they start grumbling against Moses. This becomes a theme. We all, uh-huh. if you've read much about their wandering, we know that grumbling is a theme. 
So yeah, they start their ready. grumbling against Moses. Yeah, mm, like they did at the Red Sea. So this is not the first time <laughs> they've grumbled, but mm, we're we're seeing a pattern begin. And and I love in the, in the English Standard Version, the ESV, in my study Bible, the note down there says they do not yet trust the Lord's presence with them as sufficient for their protection and provision. Wow. And I, that's why they grumble because yeah. they don't yet trust his presence to be sufficient. And I, I think that so many times like I find I grumble. <laughs> there you go. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. that the reason that I grumble? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't realize that his presence is sufficient to meet mm-hmm. my need. Yeah. Um, so Definitely. what does real, our real God do about their grumbling? He shows Moses a piece of wood. Yo, Moses, here's a piece of wood. Oh, great. But Moses throws it into the water and guess what? It makes the water sweet and drinkable. And huh. and this miraculous piece of wood, it makes the, the water drinkable. And then this is when God gives them the first law. He says in chapter 15, 26 and verse 26 of Exodus, he says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep his laws and statutes, then I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am ready, the Lord Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever you see all cap, Lord, that means Yahweh. I am the Lord, your healer. And we remember from last week what Yahweh means. It means my nature will become evident from my actions. And just now he has acted on their behalf and he has healed their water. Mm -hmm. And he has just promised them with this new law. Okay, you listen to my commands. You listen to what I tell you and I will heal you. I will not put any of these diseases that the, that affected the Egyptians. I won't put any of those on you. I will be your healer. So that was his first law ever given to this new brand new baby nation. Yeah. So yeah. not only does he meet their physical need, but he reminds them again that his nature will become evident by his actions and now he is their healer. Mm-hmm. And then this is so cool in the very next verse so they, they move on from Marah, they travel on to Elim, where they find 12 springs of water and 70 palms to give them shade from the desert sun. And that's where they camp. It doesn't wow. tell us how long, but that's where they camp. So he's just, he's just lavishing abundant blessing on them after that. I just love that. Yeah, how that's cool that's that? that's like how'd you like to take a trip to Hawaii or some beautiful, yeah. you know, like there's some beautiful exactly. place. Here there are roaming around the wilderness and, you know, can't even find water to drink. But not only does he take care of that, oh, let's give you a place with twelve springs of wonderful water and seventy palms. Let's give you a vacation yeah. in Hawaii for for the a Hawaii while. of the desert. Right, there right. The Hawaii was. of the desert. Rather yeah. than the Hawaii of the ocean, the Hawaii of the desert. That's yeah. that's good. That's where yeah, I, I took just them. I love, I just love that our real God takes care mm-hmm. of us in spite of us. You know, yeah. here they are grumbling exactly. about things and he, 
he takes care of the water. He really takes care of them here and yeah. abundantly takes care of him. You know, exactly. I, I yeah. think that's really cool. So, that's so sweet. then they all lived happily ever after in the Hawaii well, of course of the desert. <laughs> of course. And the Bible's over right there. No, right. Hmm. Nah, no. <laughs> so the Bible goes on and that's kind of how life works. So these re- real people, they set out for me limb and they, leave this beautiful oasis at God's leading. Remember, he's leading them here. Mm-hmm. He's He's leading them. But see, they forget that he's leading them because it just feels like they're wandering around in the desert again, right? Yeah. So they grumble again. Mm-hmm. And God is about to give them another statute and another command. And it is because he wants them to know his character. That's mm. why he gives these commands is in order for them to know his character, right? Yeah. It's, it's because his, his nature will become evident through his actions. So they're about yeah. to learn the manna principle. Oh boy, the manna principle. Here it comes. <laughs> Sounds yes. like fun. <laughs> oh, so Exodus 16 is all about the manna principle. So they, they leave Elim and they come to the wilderness of sin. Yes, S-I-N, sin, <laughs> aptly named, right? Perfect. I love Perfect. these wilderness names, right? Sure. First we had the wilderness of sure, and then we had oh. the wilderness of sin. Oh, we could preach on those, right? Uh, I feel so, like I roam around in the wilderness of sin sometimes. Uh, I sometimes. wonder in that desert sometimes. Oh, boy. You know, mm. so two and a half months after they've left Egypt, they come to this wilderness of sin between Elam and, and Sinai. So the whole, and again, right, no water. And, and well, actually, and, and by the way, not much to eat either. Uh-huh. And so the whole assembly grumbles against Moses and Aaron, fuss, fuss, fuss. Uh-huh. And here's what they say. <clears throat> oh, this just, this is just sad. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, where we sat by meat pots and ate bread till we were full. Okay. <laughs> that's like revisionist history. That's a bit of a selective right. memory. You know, they they kind of forgot about the taskmasters and the ruthless treatment and, oh, no, right meat pots and eating bread till we were full is what they're remembering there. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny, funny how you can look back and be like, oh, it was so much better there. It was so much better Mm -hmm. in Egypt. Like, Mm, what? Really? (laughs) Oh, it was so much better in those old days. Yeah, this is. Except for those slaving and dying. Right, right. (laughs) Except for that. That wasn't so great. Except for that. Mm-hmm. I think I do that a lot too. I look back and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. it was so much better then. Why why am I in this this thing now? Mm-hmm. Why is this overtaking me? And when I read when I read this story, these chapters here, 15, 16, 17, chapters of Exodus, boy, this is the point in the story. Every time I read this, I have one of those palm to forehead moments. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. You just, yep. you just you have to hit your forehead. And yep. uh, it's like one of those don't kind of moments. Like, how could you yep. really do that, Israelites? You know, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. Like, because this is so much worse. It's like, really? That's like teenager girl level of drama <laughs> right there. That's how it sounds to me. And I, and drama, I read this. That's right. Yes. I read this and I always think, didn't God just make water fit for you to drink? Didn't you just mm-hmm. come from that sweet oasis, the Hawaii of the desert? Didn't God go. just do all those miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and which ultimately led to your deliverance from mm-hmm. slavery? Remember the slavery of Egypt? It wasn't wasn't so mm-hmm. great back there. Didn't he uh-huh. didn't he part the sea? Didn't he do just do all these things? How could you now think that he wouldn't also give you food? 
to eat mm-hmm. and, and take care of him that way. And, you know, it's like, it's like you said up there, they didn't yet trust that his presence was sufficient. They didn't, they didn't yet trust right. that he would provide for them and he would take care of them. And it's, it's kind of wearying to me when I read this section, but you know what? A few years ago I was, I was reading this and I had one of those palm to forehead moments But then as I was reading it and I was, you know, mentally rebuking the Israelites for their apparent lack of faith, it it hit me. That's what I do, too, with the Mm -hmm. Lord. That's, you know, that's what I do. I forget him and his power and his provision. If I even notice his provision at all, I I forget Mm -hmm. it the next day. He showed up yesterday. I forget it by tomorrow. Um, I do this all the time with the Lord. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the Israelites. It's me also. And when I realized that a few years ago reading this, I had a palm to forehead moment on my own behalf, on behalf of mm-hmm. my own, my own foolishness and forgetfulness, um, which is, yeah, it's sad. So this is a, it's a wearying section of scripture to read and it, you know, it's kind of like me too. So, but anyways, enough about me and my lack of faith and trust in God. Tell us, uh, tell us more about what's happening here and what does our real God do in response to all this quite dramatic teenage girl grumbling that's going on. What does he do? You know, again, God is just, he's so patient and he provides for them, of course, Mm -hmm. but he also sets some very unique parameters on the coming provision. So he says to Moses, I'm about to rain bread from heaven. That sounds cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like bread from heaven. That's what I'm talking uh, about. Give us a feast, Lord. (laughs) Yeah, but you see, not like what we think. And it really wasn't like what the Israelites expected. So here's here's the deal. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Moses said to them, oh, here you go. It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. No, uh-huh. that's that's not like what mm-hmm. I thought at all. That's you see? Flake, mm-hmm. yep. flakes of something after the dew has gone. That's, yeah. you know, not, no mm-hmm. ciabatta bread, no, no. French mm-hmm. baguette for this mm. morning for breakfast, no, no cinnamon toast or cornbread. I'm from Illinois. We like corn. No, nope. no cornbread. Corn no. Sorry, no. No cornbread. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> this is no. Flake, flakes, flakes of bread after, after dew. dew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? And Great. <laughs> it's so strange that the Hebrews named it. What is this? Yeah, that's what manna means in Hebrew. What is this? Do you ever, so, see, do you ever have a crazy? what is this moment when God provides something for you? I feel oh, like see, I do yes. that sometimes. God provides uh, yes. something and I go, what is what this? What is this? Not what I expected. <laughs> that is the key. This, okay, Lens, out of everything we've talked about this week, this is... This is the concept that really knocked me on my tush. I, oh, this one really was the dagger that got my heart. God was true to his word here. He gave them bread from heaven. Yeah. Now it is up to the Israelites. Can they accept his provision when it is different than their expectation? Yeah. Oh, that just got me. Yeah. Ugh. That's Can what I'm saying. I, that what's this yes. moment? Mm-hmm. Yes. Those what's this moments. Can we accept God's provision when it is different than our expectations? That, because God, let's face it, how often does God do what we expect him to do? Well, in my life, not very. <laughs> right. Uh, 
you yeah. know, I mean, he's right. always Things got a don't different go, plan than I do. Yeah, they don't go according to my plan, no. but I don't uh-huh. have all the information and I don't actually know exactly. what I need or what's best, but boy, I've got a plan. And then yep. when he provides differently from that, it's hard for me to adjust. It's a hard, it this is. is, this is a little picture here of Israel wrestling mm-hmm. out their, their relationship with God. It's hard to trust when God's not doing what you wish or hope or expect he might do. Yeah, it is. And then he takes that, that provision that we haven't expected and, and that uh-huh. the Israelites didn't expect. And then he places parameters on that yeah. provision. Tell us about that. And, and this is where we get the second law or, or provision for the Israelites, the man of principle that we mentioned earlier. He sets parameters on how much each person was allowed to gather. So we we see that uh, he says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Moses is talking to the people. He says, everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. So everybody was to gather a day's portion every single day. It gave mm. them something to do every day while they're wandering around in the <laughs> yeah, desert, right? That's good. <laughs> yeah. And then on the sixth day, they were to prepare what they brought in and it would it would miraculously be twice as much. No matter how much they gathered, it would miraculously be twice as much yeah. on that sixth day. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. and, and then he promised the meat at twilight, bread in the morning on that very night that they'd been grumbling. It said Exodus 16, 9, then you shall know, this is why he did this. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, not just the Lord, but the Lord, your God. Hmm. He's talking to Israel and he says, I'm yours. I'm yeah. not just the Lord, a God. I'm the Lord, your God. And that's and capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Yeah. And he's doing this so that you shall know, like he knows, yeah. he knows they're in this tentative time kind of of relationship yep. so that you shall know, I want to make myself known to you. That's our, right. our real God who wants to relate to us and reveal mm-hmm. himself to us. And so exactly. he does things so that we might know. Yeah, that's cool. And he provided for their hunger with this, but that wasn't the whole thing. He wanted to do much more. He places these parameters. He he could have just given him the bread and, uh-huh. and just let it be a free-for-all, right? But he yeah. places these parameters to test them to see whether they will walk in his law or not. Now, did God know whether they'd walk in his law? Of course he did. So there had to be other reasons that he's testing them, not for his benefit, but for whose, Lindsay? Yeah. Well, you and I were talking some about this idea of testing them to see whether they would walk in his law or not. And it's really, it's kind of like a cool, a cool pre Ten Commandments opportunity for them to to figure out how to relate to their God, to begin to take these steps of, of interacting with God, learning about their God and and relating with him, Um, relating with their real God who gives them real commands and statutes and laws. That's part of Mm -hmm. who he is. And he gives these things for their benefit. So it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. for them to begin to learn how his laws are given for their benefit yeah, baby to steps. begin to right to begin to take mm-hmm. him at his word and trust him and follow and see what happens when they do. And I think maybe, you know, during these first few laws, some of the people maybe were developing a taste for the law before yeah. even they got the full law, they were developing a taste for it and probably 
plenty of other people were developing a distinct distaste for the law and did not care right. for these these statutes or these rules. Yeah, and we're definitely going to see some of those people who have a distaste for the law um, in in a few minutes. We'll see their disobedience, yeah. and and that's important because I think this is another reason that God was testing the people was because He needed Moses to see that disobedience. Um, because mm. Moses needed to see how these people were going to respond to God's parameters because Moses was going to be their leader for a long while. And God knew that Moses yeah. didn't yet at this point, but um, yeah. Moses was going to need to lead them through relating to God. And as an Israelite well, nation who is like, we've been talking about wrestling out their relationship with God, like that real guy that we Israel, Jacob, um, uh -huh, uh -huh. they're going to need to begin to learn how to relate. And Moses is going to be kind of that intermediary. And it's it's not going to be pretty. The That's road ahead. We, right there. <laughs> I, you know, I poor Moses, really. <laughs> I, bless his little heart. You know, I just, oh, man, he had a tough job. So yep. here's what we see. I love. I love these parameters. God gives them parameters, but he also, in the midst of these parameters, he knows the weakness of the human mm. condition. Yeah. And so he provides a miracle even in the midst of the parameters he sets. So Exodus 16, verses 16 through 18 says this, The Lord has commanded everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. We've heard that, but here's this. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone hmm. had just as much as they needed. So yeah. not only is our God giving all that they need for their hunger, he's also ensuring that each one gets exactly what they need. That's I really mean, seriously, cool. you yeah. talk about portion control. No, no weight watchers <laughs> necessary here when God Maybe is providing the man. I need to ask God to do my portion control uh, for me. That'd I mean, how cool is that? Right. So each yeah. day, the perfect amount for each person, never hungry. Think about this. Never hungry, never too full. Yeah. It, That's I, is that amazing? Awesome. He knows mm -hmm. exactly the right amount for my stomach. That's so cool. Yeah. So but but here's the thing, where when God makes up for any human error in gathering for manna, there are still some people who blatantly disregard his parameters. Mm -hmm. And here's the disobedience part that shows this distaste for God's parameters. Yeah. Moses said that to them, no one is to keep it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. And Moses, bless his heart, did he say, now listen, y'all, you just need to not do that because God said, no, 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 no. Moses reacted like the rest of us would. He was angry. He was yeah. angry with them. Yeah. So, he said, don't you know, do this. Moses, and they said, we'll do it. <laughs> we're going to do it because we're not mm -hmm. listening to you, Moses. Mm -hmm. And I, Moses proves, here it is. Relationships are hard. They're yeah. hard. Leadership is hard. And you know what? Following a leader is hard. Yes. How do you trust someone else and their relationship with God when it involves 
your very existence or even your eternal relationship with God. It is hard yes. to follow a leader, even a good leader. It is. It, it really is. That's, uh, yes, that is such a good point. It is hard to follow a leader. I feel that. I feel that for sure. I don't, I think I'm one of the people who's not really great at following a leader most of the time. I think my mom told me that I was, you know, her strong-willed child. <laughs> she, oh God bless no, my mother. Lindsay, she not had, you. It was no. me, yes. And she had to, you know, <laughs> buy one of those Focus on the Family books, or I don't know, one of those books about how to deal with a strong-willed <laughs> child, because that was me when I was little, you know? Yep, that I sounds like recall. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah, you knew I, I my parents when I was little, so I, I do. I'm, sh- mm-hmm. I'm sure you heard about this. But yeah, I was that. <laughs> I was that child, like mm-hmm. these Israelites. You can't make me. You know, you mm-hmm. tell me, tell me what not to do, and I'm gonna go out and do it. I I distinctly yeah. remember a time my grandfather told me not to do something. I looked right at him and did it anyways. Anyways, I I am just like this. I I was like this as a child. I think I still am this way. Also, you know. We talked several episodes ago. We talked about Jacob, Jacob, our real guy, Israel. Yeah. His story yeah. gives me so much hope because he was a wrestler. He wrestled yeah. with our real God and our real God mm-hmm. met him there and wrestled back and, yeah. and gave him a limp, um, but didn't just kill him on the spot. Didn't just smite right. him right there. Um, our real God is okay with wrestlers. Even here, we're he seeing is. it. He's, he's okay. He's working with them. And Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for his patience. I'm so grateful because I am one of those wrestlers. Um, yeah. I don't always do well at, at following a leader. It, it It is very hard, like you said, to trust someone else's relationship with God when it involves mm-hmm. me in my personal life. And not even just following the leader. It's hard sometimes just to be a part of the body of Christ, to be tied yeah. to other people, rejoicing together and mourning together. One part rejoices, we all rejoice. One part grieves, we all grieves. You know, sometimes I'd rather not. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd rather not be tied to these these other people and tied to their relationship with God. But I bet sometimes they'd rather not be tied to me either, you know, and no. to my my own surely stuff. Not. And my, my, yeah, no, surely. Surely not. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, relationships are hard. And God's showing uh-huh. Moses this here. People are messy. We're all prone yeah. to disobedience and mm-hmm. strong-willed resistance of something. Um, you yeah. know, you might be super chill and laid back about politics, but very opinionated about how people should raise their kids. Or maybe you don't care at all what we eat for supper, but you really deeply care about what kind of car you will buy. Uh, you know, we all have a million strong-willed opinions about things. Put a whole group of that, a group of people like that in one single group, and you want to lead a group of people like that? No. Like, no. this is... Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel for Moses here, partly because yeah. I know myself and my own resistance to authority yeah. and how much I would have been one of those Israelites giving him grief. So <laughs> relationships are hard. They really would you, are. Would you have woke up with maggots, Lindsay? Would, yeah, I would have been, been one. Yep. There would have been maggots in my food because oh, he would have said, don't, don't save it till don't morning. And I would have been like, I'll show you. Oh, <laughs> I'll man. show you. Oh, that would have been me for sure. Well, so the Israelites, they're having a really hard time in this relationship with this real God. I mean, they just are. So let's, let's look at another situation. <laughs> the Israelites are going to quarrel again, and then they're okay. actually going to fight. So okay. we're moving through the wilderness of sin. Oh boy, are we? And now they're going to camp at Rephidim. Uh, again, mm-hmm. no water. Okay. 
And, and by this time, the people say, Lord, they tested the Lord. They actually, it actually says tested the Lord in scripture. And they say, is the Lord with us or not? In other words, okay, Yahweh, if we're supposed to know you by, know your nature by your actions, where's the water? Why are we dealing with the same old problem again? Yeah. If we're supposed to know you by your, by your actions, what is this telling us about your nature? And, and it struck me, I think this is the same thing that we see with even Christians today who say, if, if you're such a loving God, why did so-and-so, why was my best friend killed in an accident? Why was my husband, did my husband have to suffer with cancer? If you're a loving God, blank. Yeah. Um, Why do I ever have to be thirsty if I'm a Christian? Why do I ever have to see? I I think it's the same thing that we're seeing in our culture today. Um, Yeah. Testing God and, Mm -hmm. and, really struggling with that aspect. What do you think? I think, I think that's an extremely common kind of question. Many of us ask why, if, if you're loving God, why do I ever have to be thirsty? Essentially like what Mm -hmm. you asked there, why is there no water again? Why do I ever have to be thirsty? Why do I ever have to encounter trials ever? If you're loving God and if I'm yours. And I think as we're trying to live our lives as 21st century American Christians, trying to relate to God and trying to depend on him or depend on him to a certain degree, <laughs> maybe not all the time, always, but we, mm-hmm. we get, we get easily fed up with trials or hardship of any kind. It's amazing how quickly yeah. a trial for us, even a small one can make us question God's goodness or whether mm-hmm. he is even with us at all. It, it's really amazing. And then it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. When we have a constant trial or the same trial over again, it's, yeah. it's hard. We're, we're just like the Israelites. We question if God was with us. It's like, it's like these people are saying, how many times do we have to be thirsty? How many times do we have to be thirsty, God, before yeah. you'll do something? But don't yeah. you wonder if God is saying, how many times do I have to show up and deliver you and provide for you yeah. in order for you to believe? How many times do I have to show up? It, you know, it reminds me of Jacob again, when God met him and said, I will be with you and I will, I will guide you and I'll guard you and I will go with you the whole way. And Jacob back in Genesis 28 says, if God will be with me, if you'll be with me, God, and go with me and give me bread and clothing and all these things, then you'll be my God. And don't all you that just, after God promised him. Yeah. And don't you just yeah. wonder if God's saying, how many times do I have to provide for you in order for you to believe? So, yeah. so Misu, what does, what does our real God do? I can, I can hear his heart probably saying that. How many times do I have to provide um, but, but what does he do for them in this instance? So he gathers the leaders. He tells Moses to take the same staff that he used to turn the Nile to blood. So the same staff that he used to harm mm. the Egyptians and the Israelites had no clear water to drink back then either. So it was the same staff that he'd used to harm water. And he actually uses that staff to cleanse the water. Wow. That's really so he uses the same tools, both Moses and the staff. For a different purpose. So yeah. he's showing them that it's not about the, the tool itself. It's about God's power that works through it. That's what huh. he wants them to trust. And hmm. then this is what happens next. The Amalekites come and attack Israel. And I, I found that really fascinating that God took care 
of an old problem, something that they'd seen him do before, Mm -hmm. and showed them that he is faithful to do what he's done before, before he introduced a new problem to them. So it was almost like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show you something, a baby step. Remember, I can turn, I can turn bad water to good, or I can give you water from where, you know, there is none. And then when a new problem comes up, okay, remember how I did this just a minute ago? Okay, now here's a new thing. I can do this too. So when the Amalekites come and attack, they, they have a foundation of faith that they've just seen him work. Okay, maybe he can do this Amalekite thing. And then it also gave them more trust in Moses when Moses in Exodus 17, 9, he says, okay, Joshua, and he appoints a new leader over the fighting men. He says, choose some of our men, go out to fight the Amalekites tomorrow. Moses says, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Mm -hmm. Moses, he and Aaron and her, the three elder leaders, they went to the top of the hill in plain sight. They didn't take a sword and go down and try to fight. They were old men. They knew better than Mm -hmm. to do that. They knew their role as elder leaders was to stand in plain sight and they raised their hands and they prayed. They knew what their role was and they prayed to exhaustion. They Mm. did their role as Mm. hard as they could while the younger men did their role as hard as they could to the glory of God. And as, as everyone worked in their giftedness areas, God was yeah. glorified and the Israelites uh, won that battle through God's power. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. So how yeah. did God do what he did, Lindsay? He, he just did it. Uh, yeah, he, God won the battle for them. He swayed the battle for them. Whenever, whenever Moses held up his hands um, mm-hmm. up there on the top of the hill, or really Aaron and her were holding up his hands, whenever his mm-hmm. hands were up, God swayed the battle for them. He just miraculously did that. He took care of them. It's like, it's like he was saying, not only can I provide for your physical need of water and food, but I can provide for your safety and protection as well. I can take care of you when your enemies attack and I'm the Lord and I will fight for you. Um, and I have given you a good leader in Moses and I will bring up a new one at the right time as well. I think is is what he he was saying with this. Mm -hmm. Basically promised to wipe out the Amalekites foreshadowing Joshua's eventual leadership. And you got to know Joshua had to remember that first victory his whole life, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just very cool. So, okay. So what happens at the end of this section today, Lindsay? So after God sways the battle and and wins it for them, um, Moses, their fearless leader, he builds an altar to the Lord, which is like, yay. Yay. I I love it when the real people build altars to the Lord to commemorate what God has done. Those feel like yay moments in the story to me where they they get something right when they recognize and commemorate what, what the real God has done. And so he builds this altar and he calls the altar, the Lord is my banner. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's not renaming God here. God is, right. you know, the Lord, L-O-R-D, Yahweh. Uh, my nature will be evident by my actions. But he names the altar by which, you know, the action of, by which Yahweh has just made himself evident. The Lord has right. been their banner in this battle. The Lord has fought and won for them. And Moses wants mm-hmm. to commemorate that here. Um, and that just makes me think again, I think we talked about this before. It makes me think about making an altar, quote unquote, an altar of sorts 
to commemorate what God has done in my life, uh, mm-hmm. to commemorate things that God has done. And uh, maybe that can be kind of a challenge that we leave our listeners with today, a challenge for myself to go and do something to commemorate a work that God has done in my life. Maybe mm-hmm. just write down some things, um, maybe even right after this, go and write down some things that ways that God has provided for me, ways that he has protected me, ways that he has showed up with his power um, and just commemorate what God has done. I think that would be a good thing to, to leave with today. Well, let's, I'll let you get to that lens. So I think, I think that's all the time we have for today. So if you don't want to miss a single episode of real people, real God, you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, or Stitcher, or you can listen on my Friday blog at www.misuandrews.com slash blog. The notes for each podcast are available on the blog on the date of the podcast. You can also post comments and questions on my blog site as well. If you have a question specifically for one of us, please just indicate the name and either Lindsay or Misu will love to reply. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us and come back next time, everyone. And remember, be real. Thanks for listening to Real People, Real God. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We rely on real people to provide feedback and our real God to provide listeners.